Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner-Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world-class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real-life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to this week? So this little thing called risk. I am currently doing a project with a client and we are revisiting their mission, vision, and values. And so we had all these different words up for words that really resonated with them in terms of their current values and a few values that they want to live into even more. And one of the ones that somebody had put up was risk. And so we got into talking about what the opportunity is when we take risks. And I was just on a call with some clients earlier today, actually, and one of them was talking about how he loves to be challenged. He loves to be stretching. He loves to be going for something a little outside his comfort zone and sometimes a lot outside his comfort zone and how, and then one of his colleagues was like, oh, that makes me so nervous. And so we had this really great conversation about how, you know, we think us humans that we like to live our life at about 72 degrees. You know, we like it when things are comfortable and that's not when we grow. One of my, one of my friends and colleagues, one of his taglines is how many peak experiences have you ever had inside your comfort zone? And, and that's not, you know, that's not when we grow. That's not when we learn. That's not when we are challenged. That's not when really there's, you know, there's extra juice in life. And that brings me right to our guest for today, because today is going to be a different kind of podcast. And so I had to get comfortable with a little bit of risk for what we're going to be talking about today. So buckle your seatbelts, my friends. Enrique Gonzalez is a 26-year Navy veteran turned entrepreneur, author, coach, trainer, and speaker. He is the CEO of Triad Leadership Solutions and and their podcast. And he's the host of three different leadership shows. I had the opportunity to be on one of them exactly a week ago. We were just chatting about that in the pre-podcast chat. And so I am thrilled to welcome Enrique Acosta Gonzalez to the show. Thank you, Janine. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad you already covered risk because we're about to get (laughs) dirty on that one. (laughs) So let's get into it. I'm going to start with the question that I always start with, which is 
what is something that you have become aware of that either consciously or not consciously we're not paying attention to, enough attention to and what's the cost of that inattention yeah so what i'm going to bring up there's a big cost right <laughs> but, yeah there is. But, but it is when men don't listen to their wives all right so <laughs> so so tell me more tell me your theory yeah. about let's start there like so how come why is it that in your opinion men don't listen to their wives well before i get into that let me just go okay. piggyback of something you said earlier people that are comfortable stay yeah now if, if you will just let that sink in, if you endeavor to go anywhere, people that are comfortable stay. Yeah. And so if you want to be anything, get uncomfortable, right? And we're about to get uncomfortable <laughs> right now because where did I come up with that? Um, so let me tell you, been married for quite a while, right? And there came a time about seven years ago, I would say, okay. that I realized that I had allowed all competing things for my time to override the area I was comfortable in. Mm. And so sometimes in a relationship with your spouse, you get comfortable yeah, and things stay, they don't grow. Yep. And so just because we know that we have committed each other to a lifelong journey together, we don't endeavor to foster that relationship as we would one in the business field, mm -hmm. right? And if you really ask yourself, what contracts have I engaged in in business and how detailed am I to the point that I get a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> to, right. make sure, to make sure that the transactions are going right. And we're always doing due diligence and we're always doing exploration of words, quality control, you name it. Yep. We go at it. And the most important contract, that we will ever get in yeah. a lifelong journey. We don't do that. Right. Okay. Take a deep breath, everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so in realizing that I had made more efforts towards other things than my wife, I started to notice a downcast in her or in her in, you? in her in her see so you never know anything until you become aware <laughs> and so men 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 are notorious for this and and you could probably attest okay i'm tired of this you always what where where did that come from <laughs> what, what are you talking about everything's fine yeah and it's usually the man saying everything right? <laughs> because we just get comfortable. 
And in a state of comfortability, although you feel secure, the lack of life will kill off whatever that is, hmm. including marriages. Mm -hmm. And so when you was talking about what cost is there of not paying attention, Mm -hmm. As the first thing I could have thought of. Yeah. And, and part of what I love about this conversation is that it doesn't ma matter if we are straight. It doesn't matter if we're gay. It doesn't matter if we're transgender. It doesn't matter if we're white or black or Latino or Asian. And actually, it doesn't really matter if we're talking about life in our personal life or if we're talking about life in our professional life. Mm -hmm. Any time we fall into that place of comfort, which can also equal taking for granted, mm -hmm. then we have the we are having the opportunity to not pay enough attention to what's going on over there. How is this going for you? What are your thoughts about how this might be? better, more dynamic, stronger, you know, when we're, we, we ask those questions often inside of a work context. I was just with a group of clients uh, earlier today and I said, okay, this is our fifth call that we're doing as a cohort. How's it going? And, you know, are there, are there things that you were hoping for that you're not getting? Are there things that now that we're talking about it, you're like, Ooh, would it be possible? Could we, you know, is there the possibility we could create something else? We do that inside of work, but we don't do that. We don't do those check-ins really. And as you said, you know, one of the most, one of the most important contracts we'll ever get into signing, signing up, whether literally or figuratively to spend our life with another person. And, and the cost, the cost. So a lot of times there's more said when there's nothing said. Mm. And so just think about all the work that you put in to cultivate external relationships. And you don't do that at home, right, with mm -hmm. your spouse. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? Because when you don't, you're saying a lot. So, so what do you think happens? Why do you think that, you know, because obviously when when we're dating so it so happens today uh is the five-year anniversary of uh, my marriage to my husband and we've been together for a little more than 10 years i remember because it wasn't that long ago i remember when we were dating we interacted differently mm -hmm. with each other you know and it's been 10 years, more, more than 10 and a half that we've been together and five that we've been married. What do you think happens that we stop listening or we stop paying enough attention or what, what, what are your theories around that? Yeah. Uh, there's a level of assurance when you make that type of commitment, right? Mm -hmm. um, so depending on your level of assurance, it depends on how much, you're willing to put into it. And so some people, they're so sure that, that that's going to be there. Mm 
mm-hmm. that they forget that there's a human at the other end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the contractual agreement of a matrimony or a lifelong relationship with someone is not the words and it's not the paper. It's the daily actions that support the fact that that even happened. (laughs) And so when you go about not adding life to that document, because what's a testament, right? Somebody leaves it. It doesn't get enacted until somebody dies and someone else takes over. Right. You have to bring life to that document. And so the same with marriage, you, you have to bring life to it. And it's always intriguing, and I know because I've done it myself, right? Mm-hmm. It was wine and dining. Left <laughs> and right. right? We're going to the best places. You get married, you don't go nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, well, well, hold up now. You don't sell me a bill of goods here. You, what was that? Mm-hmm. Was that a show? Was that your true capabilities? Because obviously you already did it, right? So you can't say, take it back. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. Well, really? <laughs> because we were, we were spending $600 on a seven-course meal at some fancy five-star, <laughs> not even five-star, five-diamond restaurant. Right. And now we can't even go out for McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so it's... I said to my husband today, he called me a little while ago and we hadn't actually spoken yet today. So I said, happy anniversary. And we had talked about going out to dinner or, and I said, so like, should I make us a reservation? And he said, yeah, maybe make us a, maybe like El Patron. I'm like, honey, that's where we go for Mexican food, like on a Tuesday. <laughs> it's our five year anniversary. And, you know, it hasn't all been unicorns and rainbows. Like, we've had to put in some work to get to five years. So, like, let's at least go to Fleming's. (laughs) Give me a a T-bone. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, and and this happens so often. And and for the male, and I wanted to bring it up from the male perspective because I've obviously learned my lesson at to once i would say to one point because yeah. i'm not perfect and i'm sure that if i got comfortable before if i'm not actively involved in making sure that this stays the way it should then i will return no doubt to being right. comfortable and so it's an it's an active participation should be from both sides but i'm just talking to the men because typically the women bring their peace typically, but we're, since we're all human and all fallible, it may be that they don't, right. Or they stop, they stop. stop, Right. right. So, but someone has to set the pace, somebody or else it will go stagnant right quick. Yeah. When a man supposed to the leader, I hope in your house, you, you are leading not by dictatorship, but by example Mm -hmm. that you're showing your spouse that this is the way this should go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And if you can do that, your wife will follow. Mm -hmm. 
You, they this is a good thing actually, right? This is a like yes, okay, yeah. let's do it. Let's and, have like some real conversations where you're really gonna listen to me and what I think. What? That sounds awesome. <laughs> the best day of my life. <laughs> right? I'm gonna put that all down. Right, and so because you open the doors when you open the doors to possibility, and an endless amount of there's no horizon. I mean, it's, it just keeps going. That means we're going to go somewhere. Yeah, We're traveling and we're going to see all the flavors of, of life. And we're going to see all the, yeah, and there may be obstacles and hurdles that come up, but guess what? We're together. We're going to do this thing. It, it makes my hair stand up. <laughs> I just said that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> And, and and so from the male perspective, once you realize that you may have been missing some cues and and by all means, look, it's OK to start right now. Yeah, I don't care about yesterday, really. As you hear my voice and as you hear this conversation. Are you willing to, to just go ahead and do it? And I guarantee you, men, <laughs> if you. After this show here, go to your wife and say, I just heard this dude <laughs> and he said something and it struck a chord. So can we take a pause right now? Now I need you to just pause. Don't don't think of me from this point back yeah. and give me an opportunity. I just heard this guy. And and resonated with me and I've realized that I have not been putting the type of effort into us that I have into other things. And I would like to make that right. Look, I want to cry. <laughs> I want to cry. Just thinking about it, of, of what that lady is, is feeling inside. Yeah. What a, what a moment. Right. Bro, you'll be the king. That's all I think. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I mean, when you were saying that, I also got, so you know, my, my brain is going in many different directions. So the first thing that I want to, I want to plus you with, which was something that <laughs> Archbishop Desmond Tutu used to always talk about. I want to plus you with mm. something else, which I, which I loved. So I want to plus you with the idea that there's a gentleman whose name is John Gottman who has done extensive research. He's probably, you know, the most quoted and looked to person in the world of, of marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he talks about is when everybody is bringing 100%, when everybody decides that they are 100% accountable for how this goes, not I am 50% accountable and you, Enrique, are 50% accountable. No, I am 100% accountable for how this goes. And I make that determination on my own. What's also likely is if I decide I am 100% accountable, you're going to decide. You are 100% accountable. Like we, we get afraid that if I decide I'm all in, if I decide I'm 100% accountable for how this is going to go, you're going to decide, well, pff, I, I, then I don't have to do any work. I don't have to worry about it at all. 
Instead, often what happens is that it challenges us to raise our game. It challenges mm -hmm. our partner. And the other place that my brain was going when you were talking is it doesn't actually matter. I mean, I, I love it that you're talking from the perspective of a husband to his wife. And it can be a wife to her wife. It can be a husband to his husband. It can be a parent to a child. It can be a child to a parent. It can be an employer to an employee or an employee to their employer. If, you know, eight years ago when I used to be employed for a Fortune 200 company, if I went to my boss and said, hey, boss, I realized there's a level at which I haven't been giving it my all. And, and I don't want to be showing up that way. I want to show up 100% me a hundred percent of the time like i know of no boss who'd be like oh no that's fine keep keep you know phoning it in at 65 percent. That's, that's good nor will they say how how dare you have only been yeah. showing up part way they'll just be like well that's awesome and like how can i pour more into you so like there's no yeah. downside of having that conversation it feels to me yeah, there is none. And and more than likely, they've never heard it. Right. More than likely, they have never heard a person come to them with that type of sincerity and vulnerability and authenticity all wrapped together and say, holy moly. I thought I saw it all. Right. Until this gen this person came and spoke to me. And then just imagine what that will do. Right? A, a, a leader will probably just say, okay, hold on now. <laughs> How many others have been coming in here at 65%? Right. Or they may say, what was I doing as a leader that I never created a space where people felt comfortable to even approach me like that? Right. Play it this 100%. is the first one. Right. Out of so many years that I've been leading. I mean, number one, this person's brave. Yeah. To even come tell me that. But did I ever open up the channels of communication where somebody else wanted to that they could? So, I mean, you're going to you're going to definitely impact. You're going to rock a boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like with with the this significant other. Uh-huh. You you're gonna you know and you mentioned parents. Let me tell you before significant other to another parent to child? Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> you want to impact someone? Be a parent that can say Hey Jimmy. I, I got I got to stop before cuz yeah. I'm a crier. I'll stop doing <laughs> over here. Me too. Yeah. And if you start, I'll start. So yeah, it will just be a mess together. Because I could just imagine this parent that comes to this point and this child that has always been wanting this. Yeah. What an adult. You will impact that child for the rest of their life. And not only will you impact them, but you will be a champion to them forever. 
So I, I want to take us on a slight on a slight detour. We can come mm-hmm. back to this. Yeah. I had an opportunity a little over a year ago to be the final keynote speaker in the U.S. Navy's first summit on diversity. I know that you are a veteran of the Navy, right. and and one of the things that I really enjoy about getting to do some work with the Navy is that when we think about our armed forces in a number of ways, the Navy is, is, has been the ones who've been sort of pushing the envelope on Mm -hmm. in, in my limited experience, pushing the envelope on bringing humanity back into our armed services. Uh, Brene Brown did a big project with them looking at, um, the word love in the Navy. And it used to be that 50 years ago, that the word love was spread throughout a number of codified things in the Navy. And then over the last 50, 70 years, it's been, it's been scrubbed out. And I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that as a 26-year Navy veteran, as a Latino man, you just owned the fact that you are a crier. Mm-hmm. Not something that every man, <laughs> forget about Latino man, forget about 26-year Navy veteran, right. <laughs> is going to own. So I want to go down that road yeah, yeah. a little bit with you. Mm-hmm. So. So where has this sort of comfort with yourself, comfort with your emotions, comfort with being vulnerable in that sort of way? Tell me about that evolution. Well, it started with, and I will just say one word. Yeah. Truth. Hmm. Most people are not living their own life. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. either living deposits of people throughout their life mm-hmm. or they're living the life they think people want to see. Yeah. But seldom do you get someone just to be true. And I spent a lot of years of my life on both those spectrums that I just mentioned mm-hmm. and then finally came to the point where I just want to be, be completely what I was made to be. Mm-hmm. And so in that, I'm a cry. I'm sentimental. I, I, <laughs> like, I tell you, man, don't get me into a group. <laughs> and everybody do hook and I, I won't even ask why. Let's just go. And when you can do that, there's nothing to hide behind. It's the yeah. most, it's the most best way to live, I tell you. And I don't ever have to apologize for it. Right. And so I, you know, yes, there's a a, a military history, but even in the military, if I had to cry with a sailor, I was gonna cry. They need that type of human interaction. Absolutely. They need it. And right. so it's not for it's not for everything and every you know you have to know when right. it is appropriate but if they leave and i thought it wasn't appropriate i was crying by myself 
because we're human. Right. Yeah, we, we throw on uniforms. Yes, we handle weapons. Yes, we do some hard stuff. A lot of people don't do hard stuff, but separation and deployments is still hard on everybody. Right. Um, and what I what I like about my journey in the Navy, it started hard first because they right from boot camp they made they try to make you hard, and mm -hmm. you're and you're just assimilating, right? I, yep. And I thought that's what it was, and then I was like, oh no, but I don't like it when it's done to me, so why I'm gonna do it? Right. And then uh, no, I don't think that that's right. And so I got in positions where if it wasn't right and I thought it wasn't right, it wasn't getting done. And so I, I started to impact not only the people around me, but myself. Yeah. Because I was dry. I was allowing myself to be driven to the type of leader that can touch the heart. And if you could touch the heart, you can forget it. People will move a mountain. Hey, go, go take that hill. They'll take that one, the one after that, <laughs> just in case you meant that one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's such a funny thing. And, and because I know you and I, you know, work-wise, we spend a lot of time in this leadership space. Right. And, you know, we, we, in general, of course, not all of us, and in general, we have collapsed the idea of vulnerability with weakness. And, and you and I are both on a campaign to decouple those right. ideas. Those are very different things. It takes strength to be vulnerable. And when, when leaders, and, and you know, as any longtime listener to the show knows, my perspective is it doesn't matter who you are in an organization. It doesn't matter if your job is cleaning the floors or you're the CEO or anywhere in between. Anybody can be a leader. So it, it's not, you know, a, a, a function of rank. When we step into our leadership, if we don't stay connected to our humanity, mm -hmm. if we when, when we don't stay connected to to our ability to be vulnerable, our ability to touch people's hearts, we are fundamentally not tapping into the whole human. You know, we 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 used to have this idea that, you know, at home I was one version of Janine, and then I would go to work and I would be, you know, I would be work Janine. And work Janine was all about getting stuff done and there was no drama and there was no emotion. It was just, you know, facts and getting things accomplished. But in point of fact, that that idea is nonsense. And what, when I was originally trained uh, by Fred Ross, who trained Cesar Chavez in being a community organizer, one of his great sayings was, forget the facts and figures and tell them the story that brought you to the cause. Mm -hmm. It is story. It is emotion. It is vulnerability that moves people to action. Facts and figures don't do it, but that's what we will want to rely on. That's what feels safe. That's what feels businessy. And so how do you, as a man, as a leader, how do you help leaders who in positions of power and authority, unfortunately, are mostly still men. Yeah. How do you help them 
navigate through that and and get back in touch with their humanity and their ability to be vulnerable. Yeah, I'll give you a quick story that I share when when I approach this. I was the command senior enlisted leader of a fast response hydrography com, uh, com, uh, command. Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, fast response means that within 24 hours, you was on a C-130, wherever it is that you was going. And we went places that everywhere. Yep. And you was on a C-130, you was with the boat, and you was gone. And then you did your, 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 your survey and your mission, and then you packed up, and then you was gone. So... There was high turnover in terms of it was all the time people were going, people were going. And so they will come back, they get a couple of uh, days, maybe weeks, and then they had another back one. Again. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it was, so how do you sell to young sailors that they should re-enlist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> I don't want to sign up for that. Yeah, yeah. So that th- they should re-enlist after so much going. Um, I had went to the Senior Enlisted Academy, and I had to do, and there you have to do country briefs. In my country brief, I, I had uh, chosen my next mission that I knew I was going on. And so I picked the country. I did the mission brief. And then once I started digging into the relationship between the U.S. and that country and then the enemies that were in competition for resources, I started going deeper and deeper. And then I was like, no wonder, no wonder these places we're going to are the ones we pick. We pick. We're building relationships. Hmm. They can't do the work we can. Mm -hmm. So. We send our people, they do the work, they're happy, they get their information, we get the information, and we have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So that when you come and try to buy from this country being an enemy, you might not get it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Right. But guess what? No one ever was told that type of information yeah. when they were sending out these kids. Right. Well, you're not told your relationship building. <laughs> right. And so when we come, uh, I come back and I'm getting my crew, I get them all together and I gave them that brief. Hmm. Their eyes were like this. Uh-huh. Big saucers. That's what we're doing. Oh, my goodness. This is way deeper than yeah. just the Navy showing up. Right. And so now I gave them their why. Yeah. I gave them the purpose. You gave them the purpose. And now they look forward. And it didn't matter how many trips. They knew why they were going. Uh-huh. And it was amazing. Now, if anybody followed that after I was gone, I don't know. right? But <laughs> while I was there, that's what I did. Uh-huh. And when you talk about uh, industries and corporations and people at the heads and leading this and the other, if you cannot convey the why of why you exist and what these people are really impacting, mm-hmm. get out of business. <laughs> go, go do something else because what you're doing is you're you're rolling the dice on people trying to figure that out. Right. And 
they won't. You know, they'll they'll say, "Hey, you pay me, I show up, and and we'll we'll be okay, right?" Yeah. And so until I find something better, until I find something better or something that I feel like doing. So if you, as a leader, you want to really own your company, get that why solid, and then find out how every piece connects with that and tell your people. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty easy. <laughs> I, I love it. And that's, that's exactly what I'm doing with this organization that we're looking at values. That's exactly why we're doing it. I just noticed the clock. We are a little over half an hour and I'm, I'm really trying to keep our shows to close to 30 minutes. But of course, when I get talking with people that I enjoy talking with, I just want to keep talking. So I'm going to do our listeners a favor and I am going to bring us to a close. I want to so appreciate you, Enrique. I want to appreciate you as a leader. I want to appreciate you as an entrepreneur on this journey with me helping organizations. I want to appreciate you as a veteran. I want to appreciate you as a husband and as a father and as somebody who has made a choice to play full out in in your life and i'm i'm so delighted to know you i'm so happy you were able to come here i'm so thrilled that you wanted to have this conversation yeah. this is this has been wonderful thank you so much thank you I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams.